it? Amen. How many of y'all can feel him in the house today? Yes, yeah, come on, let's welcome him, let's welcome him, I'm glad he's here, I'm glad he's here, amen, you know it's one thing for me and you to be here, but it's more important that he's here, that he's here, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter number 2, we're going to go back there today, Acts chapter number 2, I'm so glad to be saved, I'm so glad that his blood has washed my sin away. It's not, my sins are not covered. My sins are gone. Gone. Amen. Amen. We've been having such a time on Wednesday night, and and we've been about a month on the cross and around the cross, and we finally got Jesus off the cross. And, uh, and, uh, man, I tell you what, he's just opened my eyes to so many things. It is such a blessing to study His Word. You can never get it all out, man. It's like digging gold. You just keep digging and there's more and more and more. Thank the Lord. Acts chapter number 2. We're going to... I got a lot of stuff today. Just a lot of information. I don't know exactly how I'm going to throw it out to you. Uh, Sometimes it's like throwing stuff on the wall. Whatever sticks is what we're going to go with. Amen? But uh, there there is... Do y'all realize that we are living in the most... Connected, disconnected generation has ever been. I mean, I, I've got pages and pages and pages of research that's been done, and 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 we are so connected. We have everything to be connected. The information superhighway. We are connected to everything. You, the, the, with the, with the cell phones that we have, you cannot go nowhere and not be connected to somebody. I mean, you leave without your phone, you feel naked. Say, man, we're so connected. But yet we're so disconnected. So disconnected. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. All right, Acts chapter 2 and verse number, verse number 41. We're going to go back. This is the early church, the beginning of the church. And we find in verse 41, it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. This is, this is salvation, baptism, church membership, all wrapped into one verse showing that this is just the beginning. Say that with me. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. When you get saved and, 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 and you, you follow the Lord in believer's baptism and identify with the Christians here in this place and you join up and become a part, that's just the beginning. Now it says in verse 42, and they, what's that word? Continue. Continue. Steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Or in other words, those that were being saved. I don't know about you, but I I, I like the idea of people coming into the body of Christ daily. Amen. Amen. Well, let's let's do this. Let's pray. And uh, and I'm going to share with you a couple testimonies and then we'll jump right into the message. Okay. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings, your kindness, your mercy. Lord, we're so, we're, we're so in need of your presence. And Lord, we have felt it already. I have enjoyed being in your house and being with you and your people. 
Now, Lord, we, we, we need your unction today. We need to power the Holy Ghost in this moving up and down the pews and drawing us near your throne. And, Lord, bringing the Word of God deep into our soul. I pray that you'll speak to us now. Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I've really enjoyed the continued discipleship series that we've been going over. Uh, as a Christian, it's helped to reinforce a lot of the things that I have went over and been taught over the years, but it also bases it on the biblical standards, and I really like that. It kind of lets me see how our church is biblically based on everything. And also for new believers, I can't wait to lead. Possibly if we have people in our group that are not as experienced Christians, I think it's going to be very enlightening for them that you can go over and give them a great foundation of things why our church believes like we do. And one thing that's really been important for me is I enjoyed the uh, Bible studies. Each day you have a lesson that you do, and it always seems to really hit home that God speaks to me for my daily lessons and things that are going on in my life. So I think that that's going to be the same thing for everyone as well. I really uh, look forward to it, and I think it's something that you'll all want to be a part of. really enjoyed the uh, discipleship class we've been going through, going over the Continue book. Um, it's been very enlightening for me. and. I think it's going to be great for our group. It's taught me of various truths of the Bible from different perspectives. I've been able to um, view things that I've never seen before in certain scriptures that's been brought out through this, through this book. And it's, uh, I think it's going to be great for our group. I think it's going to be great for our church. Um, whether you're a seasoned Christian or a young Christian, it's applicable to you. And uh, it will help you grow and help you have a closer walk with the Lord. I know it has for me. So, uh, like again, I'm looking forward to it, and I can't wait to go through it with our group. All right, and all God's people said. Uh, if you're new today, if this is your first time today with us, we, we are promoting and, and going to be kicking off in just a few weeks a continued book, a discipleship book that we're going to bring our church through through our life group uh, program. And, uh, and we've been just been teaching about that and preaching about that and encouraging our people, trying to motivate our people uh, un, uh, to, to, to get involved in this and be a part of this. And, and so that's what that, the, these testimonies are all about. We have our life group leaders right now and, and various volunteers who have volunteered to help us uh, bring people through this. And they're being trained in it now. And, and, and that's what they are sharing with you, uh, uh, what they've experienced and what they've learned through that. That's what the testimonies are all about, okay? So here in this chapter, here in Acts chapter number 2, we find the early church in its, in its very uh, basic beginnings. They are just kicking off. They are getting, getting uh, 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 just started in the ministry. Jesus has, has died. He's resurrected. He spent 40 days with them. He's ascended back into heaven in Acts chapter number 1. Now they're going to do their calling. They're going to do what uh, Jesus had trained them for three years to do. And, and so we have this great sermon Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost. It's an amazing thing. Thousands of people get saved. And, and so here we are. We're in the beginning. We're kicking off. And, and, and the last two weeks, we, we, we've been studying this verse. And they continued. And they continued steadfastly in the apostle doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and in prayers. And, and so we said that the first thing we looked at was how, how steadfast how, how committed they were, how uh, uh, you, you could depend on them. They, this was not a fly-by-night group of people. They were dependable. It was a daily thing, not a... 
Y'all with me? In other words, you could depend on them. They were, they, were, they were going after it. They were faithful. That's the word I kept looking for, faithful. Say it with me. They were, they were faithful. They were faithful. It's required in a steward that a man be found faithful. And then last week, last week we talked about the apostles' doctrine and how important it is to learn the Scripture and know the Scripture and be taught systematically the Word of God. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge, and we, 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 and I'm not going to rehash that, but we talked about how important that is that people are pulled away and they are deceived because they don't know the truth. So it's very important after you get saved to get grounded, to have a firm understanding of God's Word in the Scriptures. But, but today I want to talk about a, 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 a cool word, a cool word, and that's the word fellowship. Say it with me. Fellowship. Say it again. Fellowship. Say it again. Fellowship. fellowship. Now, there's, there's elements of fellowship. There's elements in this verse of fellowship. Prayers, prayers, uh, breaking bread. Now, in the context here, it is talking about the Lord's Supper, but as you keep on reading, you find out it's more than that. It's more than just the Lord's Supper. Uh, they had a, 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 a feast or a meal that the, the early Christians would come together and eat. You find this in Jude chapter 1. It, that, that it says their feasts of charity or their love feasts. And basically is this. If you've been a Baptist very long in your life, it was dinner on the ground. Say amen. That's all it was. They would come together and enjoy a meal together. They would come together and fellowship. And man, I, I got to thinking about that. I got to thinking about growing up in church and, 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 and y'all know my dad was a pastor. and So I, I grew up in church most of my whole life. And, 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 and man, I, the, the, I can go back, I can go back and I can't hardly remember, I can't hardly remember, no offense dad if you're in here anywhere, but I can't hardly remember any of the sermons I heard. I, I heard a bunch of them, man. Don't hold that against me, Amen. But you know what? I can remember them dinner on the grounds. I remember them football games we played when everybody got hurt. We had the annual church football game every Easter because we'd have dinner on the ground and, and we'd have homemade ice cream. That was like my dad's thing. We're going to have homemade ice cream and then we'd all get out there and people that didn't have no business whatsoever be out there playing football went to the emergency room every year. My father was one of them. Fractured a finger, you know. I mean, it was great. I remember all that stuff. I remember how I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait because you'd see people. Old-fashioned day. Old-fashioned day was our homecoming. You know what I mean? That's, we, it was just an excuse for us to get to wear our overalls to church. Amen? But it was when everybody would come in and I, man, wow, that was so, that was so awesome. That was so awesome. I thought it was just because we was going to barbecue hogs. You know, I mean, we'd get that back then, you know, it, it, you didn't buy a hog. If you bought a hog, you was a sissy. Say amen. You get, went and got a wild one. I'm South Florida, guys. I'm redneck to the bone. Amen. And we, the, the, the guys would hang out all night cooking the hogs. And then, they, and then all day after church, it, nobody paid attention to the message. I don't even know why he gave it. We couldn't wait for it to be over. Let's go eat, man. And I hope Dad is not in here. Amen. <laughs> we couldn't wait for that fellowship. And all this time, we thought it was the food. You say, how do you know it wasn't the food? Because everybody hung around forever. 
after the food was either gone or we just wasn't hungry anymore because we just craved the. I think about, I think about, you know, family reunions. We had, we had my mom's side family reunion was always Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving day, we'd go to my grandmother's house and everybody would come in and, you know, kids nowadays, they, they, they're missing out. They're missing, I'm just telling you right now, they're missing out. My parents, they had like 500 brothers and sisters, you know. I mean, they just had youngins, all youngins. They didn't have no TV, so they had youngins, amen. They just, it's just what it is. And I had aunts and uncles and all this kind of stuff, and because of the aunt, y'all get, it's life, come on now. Act like y'all don't know something. Aunts and uncles and all these cousins, and men every year, that's when you got to see them. Because they were all spread out, and, 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 and man, I, I, it was like you just couldn't wait. Because you got to experience real fellowship. And you know, we're a family. According to Scripture, we are a family. This is not an organization, this is not a, a corporate situation. We're a family. And whether you realize it or not, you were designed supernaturally by God to need and want and crave. But you know what? We're shooting ourselves in the foot. We're shooting ourselves in the foot. Because we are... We are hurting ourselves with the technology we have. Let me, let, me, let me read something. Let me read something. Listen to this research. Using one of the best known tools for measuring loneliness, the UCLA Loneliness Scale, Cigna, which is a, a, an insurance corporation, surveyed 20,000 adults online across the country. The University of California Los Angeles tool uses a series of statements and a formula to calculate a loneliness score based on responses. Scores on the UCLA scale range from 20 to 80. People scoring 43 and above were considered lonely in the Cigna survey, with a higher score suggesting a greater level of loneliness and social isolation. More than half of survey respondents, 54%, said they always or sometimes feel that no one knows them well. 56% reported they sometimes or always felt like the people around them are not necessarily with them. Two in five, two in five uh, uh, felt like they lack companionship, that their relationships are not meaningful, and that they are isolated from others. The survey found that the average loneliness score in America is 44, which is suggests that most Americans are considered lonely. Lonely. I, I, I've got more, but I don't have time to give it all to you, but, but, but Google it. Look it up. Look it up and, 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 and see how it's affecting. And the worst generations that it is affecting is the younger you go, the worse it is. You say, what's the significant factor there? Because the younger you go, the more connected you are in social media, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. Tell me some others. I don't know. Instagram. All of this stuff that, that, that 
all of these young people. I mean, it, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I learned some things that was scary. That kids are becoming more and more isolated. And they're, they're losing the ability to socially interact with others. And the more, the more that you're online, the more that you are on social media, the worse it becomes. Let me prove it. Let me prove it. People don't visit people anymore. And people don't want people to visit anymore. So we say, okay, well, so when, when we move beyond that, it went to call. We'll just call. But guess what? We don't even want to talk now. Because if you call them, they won't answer. But if you text, they will. Look up. We ain't praying. Look up. We would rather text than talk on the phone because it's non-confrontational. We can think about what we're going to say before we type. And you know what it's doing? It's causing us to become more and more and more isolated. Which is creating loneliness, creating a lot of issues. Do I have, is there some people with your phone in here? You got your phone on you? Anybody? All right, I need some volunteers. If you got your phone on you, come on, I need one, two, I need five volunteers. It ain't going to trick, it ain't going to be bad, I promise you. I ain't going to, come on, come on, get here. Anybody else got a phone? Brother John, you got a phone? I need a couple more. There you go, come on up here. Come on up here. <clears throat> here we go. All right. No, 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 no. I'll grab another chair. Here we go. More to marry. Here you go. We got enough chairs for everybody now? There we go. Now, now do what y'all normally do. Do what y'all normally do. Yeah, that's what y'all normally do. Hey, this is a family reunion, guys. How many times, how many times have you seen people take a picture and post it on Facebook, look at my family? And everybody in the living room is on there. We're connected, we're close in proximity, but we are disconnected. How many, how many spouses, how many spouses right now lay in the bed at night, lay in the bed at night and both of them's on the phone, ain't said two words all night, except good night, darling. <laughs> Sitting around the table, see, see, used to, used to, man, kids couldn't wait for daddy to get home because you couldn't eat till daddy got home. And then when daddy got home, you sat around the table and what'd you do? And that's been taken away now. Before, before TV was, you sat around the living room and talked. And now TV kind of took that place. And then now, what's happening? Little by little, little by little. And I, 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 trust me, I'm not the type of person. Now let's go throw all our cell phones in the river. No, I'm trying to get us to open our eyes. That the devil is slowly, slowly taking away one of the most important aspects of family. Amen. And, and the church, the church health. And that is real fellowship. Amen. Real fellowship. Now, now, I thank God for these volunteers. But how many of y'all can see that this is a reality in life today? We're so addicted to it, you're going down the road and everybody you see is on it. 
Couples, go, go to restaurants. Go to restaurants. I challenge you to go to restaurants. If you go to a restaurant today, I, I, I challenge you. Two things I challenge you. One, look around and see how many people, instead of talking, they're on their phone. Two, you better tip well. Anyway, all right. Give these guys a hand. Come on. Thank you, guys. Now watch. Now, now here's, here's, here's what I want you to get. Now, how, did, anybody ever, did anybody ever move, especially when you were older and as a teenager, anybody ever move to a new town? Or move, I, when I was in the seventh grade, uh, I went from, from uh, being in a Christian school, from being a little kid all the way up to seventh grade, and I went to public school for the first time. I ain't gonna, y- y'all think, oh my goodness, it was trauma. Listen, sinners are sinners. It don't matter if they go to Christian school or public school. One of the main differences of Christian school and public school is that uh, we had chapel on Wednesday. Heathen kids are heathen kids. I don't care what school they go to. And you can mark it down. I said it. Tell any mad parents you want. I'm telling you, I lived it. But I remember going to Dan McCarty Middle School, 7th grade, not knowing anybody. Now, I don't know about y'all, but for me, that was traumatizing. Traumatizing. I, I mean, it just, because I'm a shy person anyway, and then and I just, it just, just. And I remember meeting a kid. He's a little, he, he, he was, he was kind of like me, kind of knew his name, Gabe Johnson. Gabe was about seven foot tall, it seemed like at the time. Skinny as a rail, skinnier than me, if you can imagine that, at the time. I know y'all can, y'all can imagine it now. But. <laughs> but we just talked in line. One day we was in, in lunch line, and, and, and we just struck up a conversation and, and just, just become friends. And I remember, I remember going to school, and I couldn't wait to find Gabe. Because I knew Gabe, I, I was connected to Gabe, you know, and being in that foreign atmosphere, and it was so different, and didn't know anybody, man, I couldn't wait because, because everything was foreign except Gabe. We had fellowship, we had friendship, and then, and then eventually, you know, a couple more. And, but here's the thing. This is what I, th- I don't think Christians who think that they can live a good Christian life or be what God wants them to be, isolated and alone, they don't need the church, they don't need to assemble, they don't need small group, they don't need none of this stuff, is they forget you're alone in this world. If you are a born-again child of God, when you go out into this world, it's like another world. It's another culture. It's another language. It's another mentality. It is wicked as hell itself. And if you don't feel strange out there, you might need to check up. So what's the point? When we have to live in it and we have to work in it and we have, to, we have to go to school in it and have to be surrounded by the world and the devil's crowd and all of that. Man, it is great to be able to find a Gabe. It's great to be able to find one of God's children and get connected and have fellowship with people who want the same thing, who desire the same thing, who have the same ambitions in life. That is to live holy and righteously and be, listen, pleasant and pleasing to our king. Listen, fellowship is so important. We, 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 we think, oh, I don't need that. I'm, I'm a hermit. You know, I like being alone. That's the problem. 
The devil's created that mentality in so many people. Now let me give you, and I'm going to hurry, I'm going to hurry. But let me, let me give you just a couple problems that this creates. When we get isolated, when we get isolated, we lose perspective. We lose perspective. When we live in isolation, we can easily lose perspective on life. That's because there's no objective voice calling us toward balance. Say that with me, toward balance. Our lows tend to be lower. Our highs tend to be higher. Our point of view becomes clouded and things tend to seem worse or better than they really are. Simple decisions can appear bigger than life and decision making can become more impulsive when we don't have others to point us back to the true north. What happens when we isolate our life? Our highs are real high and our lows are real low. There's nobody there to say, hey, that ain't as bad. That ain't that bad. I'm naturally that way. I'm naturally emotionally high strung one way or the other. High or low. One of the greatest things in my life was when, when, when the Lord put Tammy in my life. Because Tammy's a rock. No, seriously, literally a rock. No high, no low. <laughs> stuff that wigs me out. Stuff that makes me do the happy dance. Her. She brings me back to equilibrium. Say amen. And you know, we all need that. Because when we isolate ourselves, them lows, when they get that low, you need somebody to shake you and say, hey, it ain't that bad. Knock it off. I don't know where I'd be if, if, if Tammy hadn't been in my life with that kind of character. And when you isolate yourself, you lose perspective. Things are worse than they really are. Things are, does that make sense? Now watch, not only do we lose perspective, we end up fearing intimacy. People who don't have meaningful relationships tend to fear intimacy more. If you've never had close friendships, then you're going to tend to be more fearful of that kind of relationship. People who fear intimacy think that if others get to really know, they really get to know who I am, they won't like me. So they'd rather stay disconnected than risk rejection. Man, that's so true. That is so true. But keep this in mind, guys. In my life, I have found this to be true. They are somebody for everybody. Amen. Everybody don't connect. Everybody don't, they don't just click when they meet. I, I, I get that. And you shouldn't think you should. You, think, you shouldn't think somebody's a bad Christian if they don't, you know, they're not your best bud. You may, you may not have the things in common with them, even if you want to be. But there is somebody for everybody. There is somebody that will connect with whoever. I'm going to just leave that right there. You do with it what you want. <clears throat> also, isolation, when we, when, we, when we disconnect from others, it creates, this is the worst one, it, it tends to make people selfish. Isolation breeds selfishness. If the sum total of a person's life is defend, defined by his schedule, his agenda, his needs, his desires, chances are good he's suffering from a good dose of selfishness. Over time, a disconnected person becomes self-absorbed. He gives in to one of the fatal byproducts of disconnection, self-centeredness. When that happens, life is lived and seen through a very narrow lens. Are y'all with me? Poor health. Poor health comes from being disconnected, isolated, 
People who live life alone are much greater risk of sickness and poor health than their connected counterparts. John Ortberg, in his book, Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them, man, what a book title. I need to read that one, amen. <laughs> Refers to a study on relationships that tracked the lives of 7,000 people over nine years. Researchers found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die early than those with strong relational connections. Watch what it said. People who had bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating habits, obesity, alcohol use, but had strong social ties, lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits but were isolated. What does that mean? That means it's better to eat a Twinkie with a buddy than to eat healthy broccoli by yourself. And all God's people said, I'm not endorsing bad eating habits, but I'm just telling you, life is better connected. I got science. Say amen. I knew I was going to, I was going to figure out a way to eat my Twinkies. Amen. <laughs> Take your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews just a minute. And we're, we're almost done. I got some, I, I got your, your outline people. I got to help you. I got to give you your outline, give you your fix for the Sunday. Turn to, turn to Hebrews. Here, here's, here's a, one in, man, there were so many places you could go to talk about fellowship. But Hebrews chapter number 10, Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 23. Now, now while you're turning, let me give you context. <clears throat> Paul is dealing with a group of people. Now, now, keep in mind, keep in mind, the temple has not been destroyed yet. That doesn't happen until 70 AD, okay? The temple is still there, even though the, 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 the veil has been ripped from the top to bottom, it is still there. Uh, it, it is really insignificant. It's insignificant because it, we're in a new covenant. We're, excuse me, we're in a new covenant. But they were still trying to operate Judaism, the sacrificial offerings, the priesthood, all of that. The, the, the people that did not believe in the Messiah, they were st- in other words, they were still carrying on business as usual. And and these new believers, these new believers were being tempted to go back to the old way. In other words, they had believed in Christ, they had trusted in the Lord, and now they knew that they they had a high priest in heaven, they didn't have to go to one in the temple. Are y'all with me? And and, and how many of y'all know old habits are hard to break? And so they were being tugged and emotionally they were being pulled. Because you got to imagine this. These Jews have been doing this for hundreds and hundreds of years. So they are being tempted. They are being pulled and drawn to go back to the old way. And all of Hebrews is Paul explaining them why Jesus is the better way. Jesus was a better sacrifice. Jesus was a better high priest. Somebody say amen. amen. Everything about him is better. But then... Then Paul noticed a problem. Paul noticed a reason why they were being pulled and why they were weakened and being tempted more than usual. Watch what he says. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast. Is that where you're at? 
Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. In other words, don't give up what you say you believe. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Watch this now. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. What's the next sentence? As the manner of some... There are many times, there's a time in Hebrews where he says, man, I want to tell you some important stuff, but I can't because you're dull of hearing. I want to give you some meat, but you can't handle it because you're still on the milk. He's telling them you're immature, you're undeveloped, and you're weak in your faith, and you're ready to give up on your faith. But what is the significant problem? What is the significant connection to all this? They've been slacking off a church. They've stopped assembling together. Now, keep in mind, Acts 20, 20, and even in Acts chapter number 2, we find out, when did they assemble? They assembled in the temple because that was the only church they had. They didn't use the temple for the sacrificial worship. They'd gather in the temple, and Peter or one of them would preach. They would share the apostles' doctrine. But then they assembled house to house. In other words, there was a small group system And then there was a corporate congregational worship time at the first of the week. Basically what we do now. But what was happening? They didn't think it was important. They didn't think it was significant. They didn't understand how critical it was to gather together to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and... And... So guess what started happening? problems. Let me give you four things real quick that we find in these verses. Write these down real quick. And this is, this is your outline. And this is, this is why gathering together is so important. This is why 30 minutes, 45 minutes on a Sunday morning is not enough for you to see your Christian brothers and sisters. First, number one, look in, look in verse 23. Look in verse 23. Let us, say it with me, let, let us. What's he saying for us to do? Hold the profession of our faith without, what does gathering together, what does fellowship do for us? Number one, it strengthens our faith. It strengthens our faith. How many of y'all know faith is stronger with company? Let me prove it. How many times have you, you just had a bad day or bad issue, bad week, you got stuff bad coming on, and you come to the house of God, and you're hanging out with all these other brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and man, there's a song playing that just jacks you up, Preacher preaches something that just fires you up. And I'm telling you, 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 you got so much faith, you could swing over hell with a rotten corn stalk and spit the devil right now. And then, Monday. Now you're by yourself. And now you're struggling. It is amazing how brave I am with company. 
and how much faith I have when I've got other brothers and sisters around me joining with my faith and my, my, my. I can hold fast my faith without wavering. I don't waver. I, 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 don't, I don't get wobbly. As Margaret Thatcher said to President Reagan, this is no time to be wobbly. There are times in our Christian walk and our Christian faith that, that we get wobbly when we're alone, but there's something about meeting with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's something about hanging out with them and fellowshipping with them. Man, it just strengthens our faith and gives us the ability and power to believe. When we believe together, when we believe together, it strengthens our faith when you meet together. When you join a small group, and let me, let me just let me just, let me set this straight. Small groups are inconvenient. Small groups can be messy. Small groups can be a pain. I'm gonna just get all that out. Just get all that out. You know why? Because small groups is sharing life. How many of y'all know life is, life is not convenient? Stuff breaks down. The dryer quits working. The transmission goes out. You don't say, how convenient. I'll tell you what, I'm just not going to do them lines because it's just not convenient. Duh. It's messy. It's not great. Yeah, I know, because it's filled with humans. With problems. <laughs> anyway. But there's something about joining together that strengthens our faith. He says, let's hold fast without wavering. And what does he say right after that? He says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Because that's what gives you the faith and the strength that you need. Then look at this second. Number two. Looking look at verse 24. First he says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. That's just strength and faith. When we assemble together, it helps us to stay strong and hold fast. But then he says in verse 24, let us, what's that next word? Consider. Consider. Ooh. Ooh. You know what the word consider means? Webster's 1828 dictionary says to fix the mind on. Let us consider who we considering. Say it again. What was one of the problems that we read earlier that isolating yourself creates? Selfishness. Selfishness. What does gathering together do? It gives you the ability and opportunity to consider. The word considered means to think upon, to place the mind on. In other words, Alabama language, to think about somebody else before yourself. Paul said if you're going to assemble together, you're considering someone else. But here's our mindset. How many of y'all know, how many of y'all know we are in a selfish society? I played in a golf tournament yesterday. 
I played in a golf tournament. Sick all day. I don't know why I just didn't feel good. I was playing with uh, uh, Johnny Law. I love them golf tournaments where someone else pays. Say amen. <laughs> it was a corporation thing that he sponsored it. And, and they said, you want to play? I'm not sure. It's sponsored. I'm in. <laughs> Sign me up. And we get out there probably on, I don't know, the second or third hole. And, 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 and this group of guys comes by with a radio playing. Now, normally, normally, y'all know I'm redneck to the bone. And that was a redneck action. Playing the radio. They had a little radio in their car, playing the radio on the golf course. I had a bad attitude, y'all. I told Johnny, now let me tell you something. I'm redneck. And I said, Johnny, you know I'm redneck, but when your redneckedness starts messing with somebody else, that's too red. <laughs> this is a golf course, man. And I know y'all are like, what's the di-? They were not thinking about others. They were in their own little world, having their own self, a little big time. And we've created a society, a whole generation of kids that way. That it's all about them. It's not about anybody else. It doesn't matter what effect. That's why they can sit in a, in, a, in a movie theater on their phone, shining bright. I can't watch Captain America. Say amen. <laughs> I'm preaching. I'm trying. Y'all don't help me. Help me. Help me. <laughs> oh, it's, they're just be, No, no. You, you're not respecting the people around you. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not speaking to guests here. I'm speaking to our regular folks that's here all the time. I'm speaking to our regular folks here all the time. If you got a bladder problem or a baby, don't sit on the front row. Man, I don't care if you go to the bathroom. I don't want you going in my seat. Go to the bathroom, but sit in the back. And it's not because it's going to interfere with me. I can preach in a hurricane. But there's people around you that's trying to hear the gospel. There's lost people that are on the, the crops. They're, they're right there trying to make a decision whether to go to heaven or hell. And the devil will use this to do. But here's what we do. We're in our own little world. And we're living selfishly. Well, I'm not going to go to group because I just don't have time. Okay, think about this. Think about this. The next point is going to make this even more clear. But maybe you coming to church today by God's plan is not necessarily about you. Maybe God has designed for a divine appointment to take place in the parking lot of somebody who has been contemplating suicide, who doesn't have a friend, who's ready to throw in the towel, but God has orchestrated you to cross their path and give them a smile and tell them, hey, how you doing? Church today may not even be about you. It may not even be what you need. It may be what you need to contribute to somebody else. Ask not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. I came from a Democrat. See, that's what happens when they mess with you on the golf course. You get liberal, don't even written. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
I had to loosen some of y'all up. Y'all's mad about that bladder thing, all right? <laughs> Last time I said something about a Democrat, I got an email. I don't need no emails today, people. I was just kidding. <laughs> Am I making sense, though? Well, I'm not going to life group because I, I, this is what I hear all the time. I don't need that. Well, bless your heart. What if somebody needs you? No, you ain't got to do that. We're so selfish. I I, I said earlier, I said earlier, I I admit, I admit there's been times when it's time for life. I'm I'm tired and wore out and just all, I know all that stuff. It's never going to be convenient. I'm thinking, boy, if I put it on this day or if we have it on this day, there is not a convenient day to do anything for Christ. Let's don't be selfish. Let us, what did Paul say? Let us consider one another. You see, when we gather together in fellowship, it destroys selfishness. All right? What's the point? The point is this. There is a selfless focus. There is a selfless focus. <clears throat> when we assemble, when we, have, when we have our life groups and when we're gathering together, when we have times of fellowship. And, not, and I, I'm using life groups because that's what I'm promoting right now. But it could be, it could be a, a church outing to barbecue chicken. It could be anything that that we are providing or promoting to help promote fellowship. Take advantage of it. Don't say, oh, I don't don't, don't even like chicken. It ain't about the chicken. (laughs) The chicken is an excuse for you to sit across from your brother and sister and help them. Number three. Oh, man. Number three, hurry, hurry, hurry. There's a strength in faith. There's a selfless focus. Consider one another. But then watch what he says in verse 24. He says, and let us consider one another to, what's that next word? Provoke. Provoke unto love and to good works. That that word provoke means to call into action, to excite, to stimulate. So what's the third point? A stimulated function. There's a strength in faith when we gather. There's a selfless focus when we gather. Then there's a stimulated function. In other words, we have the opportunity and the responsibility to encourage each other to keep on keeping on. How many of y'all know that, 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 that sometimes in your Christian walk, it gets hard to walk? It gets hard to serve. Why do you think God put in his word, be not weary in well-doing because he knew we'd get tired. He knew we'd get frustrated. He knew we'd get weary with it. He knew we'd, be have, we'd have times when we'd want to throw in the towel and we'd want to give up and we'd want to quit. But he said, gather together because you have brothers and sisters in Christ who are sitting across the table from you that they're not in that deep valley that you're in and they can look you square in the eye and tell you, don't give up, don't quit. It's always too soon to quit. Everything will be all right. Hang in there, baby, hang in there. 
Because I'm telling you, that same one is telling you to hang in there, hang in there. One day, he's going to be down. And he's going to need you to encourage him. Everybody needs that lead goose and them geese honking him on. Say amen. Most of y'all ain't going to know what that is. Research it. Everybody needs encouragement. Everybody needs a pat on the back. Everybody needs, man, every now and then somebody will, uh, you know, call or leave a message. And, man, that was a good message, preacher. That's a, man, I'll tell you what, that fires me up. Especially when I felt like I failed that day. Everybody goes through that. Everybody has those times. But God says you assemble together to encourage one another. Maybe God has you assigned to encourage a certain person, but because you're selfish, you didn't show up and said you don't need it. But they did. Encourage one another. Stimulate, provoke. I just come to church to get a blessing. Wrong attitude. When's the last time you stimulated somebody to serve God? When's the last time somewhere in the parking lot, somewhere in the foyer, somewhere in the pew, somewhere you just went up to somebody and encouraged the fire out of them? You ought to make that a goal. Because if that's what's supposed to happen when we assemble, let me read something to you. Oh, mercy, I got to hurry. You remember what I said about Jim Jones last week? How many of y'all remember? All right, rest of you, look it up. <clears throat> Go back and listen. Jim Jones' people did not come off the streets. They came out of churches. And the reason he was able to deceive them with his false teaching is because they were not grounded in the Word. That's what we taught last week. But there was more to it. There's more to it. Watch this. This is, this, listen to this. In 1978, Jim Jones led a cult group of, to a mass suicide in Jonestown in Guyana Jungle, 913 of which 276 were children. Mel White, a Christian writer filmmaker, set out to investigate the cause of the tragic mass suicide and he published his finds in a book and film entitled Deceived. In talking to both defectors and survivors, he discovered to his surprise that Jones' victims were from our churches. But they did not find love there. A defector after seven years said, I was so turned off in every church I went to because it seemed like nobody cared. Another said, I went to church until I was 18 years old and nobody ever befriended me. It was this discovery which led Mel White to list out eight resolutions in his last chapter entitled, It Must Not Happen Again. The first is this, I will do my best to help make my church a more loving community to our members and to the strangers in our midst. This is not an issue with people who make friends easily. This is not an issue with people who are outgoing. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen? There's all kinds of people in our church that's fringe people. That's not going to make the first move. Who's not going to take the initiative. Because they're like their preacher. They're scared to death of you. In other words, these people left the church. And went to a psycho. Because he offered fellowship. 
Do you know there's, there's kids that are being snatched into an alternate, alternate lifestyle? And I'm trying to make that mild. It's something you'll hear. Something ungodly and wicked. Because everybody else that's normal treats them like they're weird. And in most cases, they are the exceptional ones. They are the truly gifted ones. They are the ones that have an incredible amount of genius and talent, but all the normal people who are normal, not above average, treat them so bad that the only place they feel loved or accepted is in a group. So the devil makes them think, that must be what I am. Because there's no fellowship, no acceptance, no love. Listen, fellowship is so important because it stimulates us, it encourages us, it, it excites us to go on another day. Then lastly, here's, here's, here's what it says. In verse number 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. He said, don't stop, don't slack up, don't be unfaithful to gather like some are. But exhorting one another. Say that with me. But exhorting one another. And so much the more. Not less, but more. As you see the day approaching. See, in, 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 in fellowship, there's strength and faith. There's selfless focus. There's a stimulated function. But then there's a shared fight. A shared fight. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. It says that there should be no schism in the body, but that members should have the same... Now listen up, everybody. Don't check out on me. Don't check out. Look at me. Look at me. This, is, this may be the most important one. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members. What does that mean? That means that as a child of God, I should never feel like I'm in this fight alone. Because God wants us to be connected. Let me tell you one of the most dangerous things in a big congregation. One of the most dangerous things in a big congregation. It's easy to stay disconnected. Because you don't have a whole lot of time in handshaking. You can't develop an intimate relationship in handshaking. You can't do that. It's got to happen in the small group atmosphere. And if you don't avail yourself to that, if you don't get involved in that, then you can come to a church for years and still feel disconnected. And it's not the church's fault. Don't even come at me with that. I'll tell you what, there are no friends over there. Did you, did you get involved in the life group? Well, no. Listen, well, I was in one and it wasn't that great. Get in another one. What you may call not great, others may love. Yeah, people are different, man. 
I ain't gonna lie, man. I went to Burger King one time. And that cheeseburger, you could bounce it off the ground. It must have been from the day before. But you know what? Ain't slowed me up none. Don't, don't, don't quit because you had a bad experience. Get connected. Life's better connected. It'll help strengthen your faith. It'll help stimulate <laughs> your function, encourage you. And it'll help you realize this surgery you're going through, you're not alone. This, this death that you just experienced, we're going to cry with you. This, 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 whatever you're facing, let's go. We got it together. I'll never forget being at the hospital. I'll never forget being at the hospital with Andrew. And there was probably never a time, there's probably never a time when he was, before he woke up, he was still in a coma. That there wasn't 10 or 12 people there. Yeah. Never a time. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I was there just about 24-7 almost. It was crazy. And there was always support. There was always love. There was always a, a system, support system. And when we were sitting there waiting, there, there was a place that you would wait to go in. You had the, 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 waiting, the regular waiting room, but then right before you could go into the neuro unit, they had an outside hallway where all the family would wait to, before they opened the doors to go in at their certain times. And there was a, a little girl there. I say little girl. She was probably 20, 21. And she was, she was sitting on the floor with her arms wrapped around her knees just crying all by herself. I mean, I just felt the Holy Spirit just... I went down there and I sat beside her and said, Honey, is there anything I can help you with, pray with you about? She didn't have any family. And her mother was in there on life support. Her only family. And we prayed and cried together and got some others to come. And, but boy, in my heart and my head, I'm thinking, How is she dealing with this alone? God doesn't expect any of his children to face any fight alone. Amen. That's right. But he can't make you get connected. Right. And by the way, the church can't either. That's right. We can provide an opportunity, but you've got to take the initiative. Amen. And all God's people say it. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your